Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, y'all. Welcome to a very special bonus edition of the Think Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Tim Viegas. If you aren't familiar with who we are, our main goal is to build a bridge between parents, educators, and disability rights advocates to promote inclusive education. And we do this by publishing articles by disabled advocates, parents of children with disabilities, and educators who are all in for inclusion. We are a big group and we're only getting bigger. And this podcast is an extension of what we try to do every day on the website. For many of us, whether you are an educator or parent or both, the COVID-19 pandemic has been a strain on all of us. And in late March of 2020, when word got out that Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, was going to possibly recommend waiving part of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, because of the hardship that the coronavirus was putting on the educational system, we all got nervous. And so today on the podcast, I interview Denise Marshall, the Executive Director of the Council of Parent Advocates and Attorneys, and Jennifer Lesh, the President of the Council for Exceptional Children. Now, since my interview with Denise, DeVos has put out her recommendations to Congress, so keep that in mind as you hear our conversation. And Jennifer was able to respond to some of the things that were in DeVos's report. So after a short break, my interview with Denise Marshall of COPA and Jennifer Lesh of CEC. I'd like to welcome Denise Marshall from the Council of Parent Advocates and Attorneys uh, onto the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, thank you for taking time to speak with us. Oh, you are most welcome. Thanks for inviting me to be on today. 
So the reason why I asked you to be on uh, the podcast is there there are some things going on <laughs> um, in the educational landscape. Uh, the biggest thing right now is the effect that COVID-19 is having on um, our nation's schools and not only uh, schools, but specifically students with disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. And before we get into the questions that I had, some of our audience may not know what COPA is or who you are. So could you spend just okay. a little bit of time explaining what COPA is and, and your role in the organization? Sure. Um, COPA is the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, and we are a national nonprofit organization, uh, and we protect the civil and legal rights of students with disabilities. So we have a diverse membership. We have uh, parents and family members, attorneys, advocates, related professionals, brothers and sisters, grandmothers, and other family members. Uh, we have one restriction on membership, and that is that educators cannot make more than 50% of their income from the school district uh, directly. And the reason for that is that many of our members are in some level of dispute with the system um, and use our resources to talk with each other about strategy and about best practice and um, things like that. So. That's just one one caveat that we were specifically designed for people who were on the parent side of the table if there is a, a dispute over education. Do you expect that Betsy DeVos um, will be presenting recommendations to Congress? Um, do you have any sort of information about that or um, thoughts about that? We do expect that she will be submitting a report to Congress. Uh, we do not have any information as of yet uh, relating to what kinds of waivers she may be entertaining. We do know what some of the groups um, have been pushing for, and um, we have been repeatedly saying, and they're holding steadfast to the um, position that the IDEA already contains flexibility and it contains the ability to waive um, some of the requirements or uh, for timelines or to amend the I, uh, IEP of individual children by mutual agreement of the parents and the district. Uh, and so we believe that kind of individual flexibility is much more appropriate than blanket waivers uh, of everything or select provisions of the idea. I don't think anyone would argue with the fact that the COVID-19 outbreak has really placed that tremendous strain on, on everyone, on schools, on districts, on educators, families, students. Um, everyone has been impacted. And yet, we have seen an incredible response from all across the country, uh, from um, educators and from families that are working together and sharing resources and innovation and making things work uh, for students. Now, are there some children or students for whom that 
isn't working um, or who, for whom distance learning isn't working or, you know, that the parents and the district perhaps haven't been talking, sure. Uh, but the fact that so many are lets us know that it is possible. So I think that, you know, I while I understand the natural reaction to say, oh, we need a, a waiver from, for example, the timelines around evaluation, because once we get back to school, we're never going to be able to uh, catch up with all of the different, you know, uh, evaluations that are pending. And that's another reason that we feel that it's very strong um, and important for teams to continue to work together and to do any pieces of the either the, the IEP for that student that can be implemented or if they are just at the initial evaluation stage for each student they might be at a different place in the process so if you've already collected all the data you've already done the observations and all that's left is to read you know write a report and hold the um, eligibility meeting then why not get that done online as long as everyone's comfortable doing that so we don't get a backlog um, and you know the other kinds of waivers that people, you know, that I think were specifically mentioned in those letters were are around the requirements to hold, for example, an annual IEP, I think was mentioned. And again, I think if, the dis if everyone's comfortable, and I know many are doing it all across the country, holding the IEP meetings virtually, why not get them done? Why not have the team check in and de decide how is the student doing? Um, we may, we're going to find some students who are not doing well with the distance learning at all. And we will find some students who are really thriving and responding to this newer uh, way of, of learning um, and who may be um, being educated using online or computer uh, services for the first time ever. So, there's also a learning curve. So I think it's a natural process uh, to go through to first say, no, oh gosh, we need a waiver of everything. And then uh, try to, to narrow that down into, well, wait, what does that actually mean? And why do we think we need that? And, and our position is we don't. I think the, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, about funding. Um, is, is that something that you're advocating for that, for that, um, additional funding be given to the States, uh, to implement special education services during this, um, this time of, uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic? Um, and if, if so, what do you think the money should be spent on? So yes, we have been advocating for additional resources or uh, perhaps relaxation and funding rules to allow services to continue um, and to meet students' needs. Um, I think that, you know, from our perspective, that each district's going to have to figure out where the greatest needs lie. For some of them, it's in access to, you know, uh, computers and and technology and or the internet itself, and that may be on the part of families or perhaps on their teachers. Uh, you know, not everybody 
has the ability to just switch from in-person to online from the word go. Uh, Many districts did and many families did, but there were definitely some that were slower. And uh, I know of many districts that had resources already, such as extra computers or laptops or things that they could loan the families. Other districts don't have that, so they should certainly, um, you know, need to or have the resources that they need to make sure that there's equitable access. And they may also need things like, you know, a consultant, someone to help them make sure that the programs that they're choosing and the way that they're structuring the provision of education services online is equitable um, and is uh, accessible to students with disabilities. They may need uh, additional training for their teachers or for the families um, and they may or they may need um, you know software or, or those kinds of things and in fact they may also need to plan for once the restrictions ease up across the country you know for the uh, provision of one-to-one perhaps you know individual services and supports for some students, for students with the more complex needs, for example, who may not be able to wait six months before having OT and PT um, or speech services, those things may be able to resume on a one-to-one basis, even uh, though the school buildings themselves may not be open. So I think we have to look creatively, and, and as we said earlier, you know, I think this is an opportunity to really look at the intent of the IDEA and get us back to how do we work together, what resources do we already have and what do we need and let's make sure that everybody, you know, has what they need to make this work. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about while I've got you on the phone? Um, any other any other part of this um, COVID nineteen situation uh, that is that is on your mind or that that um, is important for for COPA to talk about? Sure. Well, COPA's priority through all of this is our children and families, and making sure that we can make sure you know provide continuity and learning and equitable access and um, maintain rights. So, you know, in anything that's proposed at the federal or state level, we're encouraging our members and our colleagues to ask that question. Is there anything about this that's going to weaken uh, student rights um, or undo, you know, any of the gains they may have uh realized over the year and if so then you need to oppose it and think about you know how it can be implemented without weakening their rights um, or undoing their educational progress thanks tim i appreciate you reaching out and uh, covering this absolutely all right thanks denise you too okay bye -bye. um i'd like to welcome to the podcast jennifer lesh the president of the council for exceptional children Thank you, Tim. I'm honored and humbled to be here as as the president of the 2020 President for Council for Exceptional Children. This is actually the 98th year that the organization has been in existence. So in 2022, we are actually going to have our 100th anniversary uh, uh, celebration in Orlando, Florida at our our, uh, 
convention there. But uh, Council for Exceptional Children is actually a professional association of educators dedicated to advancing the success of infants, toddlers, children, and youth with exceptionalities. Um, we have three tenets that we, we work around, and that's advocacy and standards and professional development. Um, currently, we have over 42,000 members. And within those 42,000 members, we also have 17 divisions where people can kind of find their interest home. Um, anything from uh, division of early childhood to transition to administrators and somewhere in between there, uh, there's uh, a place for everybody that's interested in special education. Uh, in addition to that, we have um, units uh, in all 50 states and all of the provinces of Canada. Uh, and um, some of those units are more active than others, but all are members. And so when you become a member of CEC, you become a member of a unit as well, and you can have the option of joining in the division. Right now, we've sent over 5,000 emails to our members of Congress advocating for emergency funding. So, um, and that's actually free to anybody. So you can sign up for that action alert and get our alerts and actually be in the queue to send um, emails to Congress as well with, with our um, advocacy pieces. Did you have a question in there about that? Yeah, in, in fact, because you were talking about um, uh, things that were free, uh, I know that uh, for the at least the, the, the time being, CEC is offering a free uh, is it a 60 day membership? I don't, I don't remember. It was, yeah, it's a 60 day membership. Yeah, I was going to mention that. So yeah, it's actually, yeah, we have a free membership through May 31st. And let me just give you the code. Um, it's all capital letters. It's C E C E D 60. So, um, all you would have to do is go to the web page and go under membership. And when it goes, when they ask you uh, to pay, you would put that code in there. And you can get it uh, free till uh, May 31st. Uh, and we actually, I think, I want to, I think, and I, I hope I'm, I'm bragging in a, in a true fashion here, that we were one of the first organizations, when, every, when the schools started closing across the country, that we were one of the first organizations that was able to turn on a dime and actually host a free webinar uh, for teaching special education online during COVID-19. And um, I think we probably had over 7,000 folks. And I know one of our divisions case, the, the Council for Administrators and Special Education, they are hosting a series of webinars um, that have been highly uh, attended. So, and we are continuing, we have little takes of things that people can just click on right on our website that are free. And we also have several resources uh, that are free on the website. And as you mentioned, the membership is free. So um, we have got a lot of things going on here. We have a, a brand new uh, uh, executive director who is forward thinking and looking at things differently. So we're very excited about all of the things that are happening. I, I do want to get to some of the questions that, that, I, that I sent you. Um, and so since since the news is a little bit different from when I first contacted you, um, let's just talk about some of the you know, since uh, Betsy DeVos has already given her recommendations to Congress this week, um, 
And I was I was able to preview the report. Now, you know, I'm not an expert in policy, yeah. so I think you're going to have to, you know, help me understand, <laughs> help our listeners understand, you know, because the the reporting on uh, the decision um, and the recommendations by DeVos is that there are no waivers. But it seems like when I read the report that there is there are some recommendations about flexibility in timelines. So I know that. Right. Um, I know this is a long setup to the question. Uh, I believe that you're the one who wrote the letter, fr uh, you know, from your organization, um, mm -hmm. recommending flexibility in timelines. So maybe you could walk us through mm -hmm. what what were you advocating for, and then your reaction to uh, the DeVos's report. Well, we are strongly against any waivers. I think that term in itself is really a, a negative term. We never want to waive anything uh, to that piece. Um, I think that this is an unprecedented time, and so there needs to be some flexibility, um, you know, with timelines. Not not um, stating that services be negated in any sense of the form and. And that all that all parties should do the very best that they possibly can, and uh, and following those those principles within um, IDEA. And so I I was pleased at first that her her language in the first part of that was that she was not touching anything within IDEA. You know, um, uh, in fact, we celebrated that piece of it. However, we are with our senior policy advisors, we are watching very closely what's happening with uh, on the Hill and um, really um, having some conversations with some of our colleagues on the Hill as to how that goes forward. Uh, and so, I, and I do want to say that we are appreciative of, of the secretary, that she held all of the IDA requirements, including faith in place. And so, um, we know that this is a starting point of the conversation and that, that the topic's going to move forward. And, and we will definitely be there with our senior policy uh, team and also our, our policy steering committee, as well as the board, um, to make recommendations to our membership and uh, having an action alert to come out uh, based on that. So um, we are definitely committed work to working with Congress on those next steps and um, that if something if something is is considered to be a waiver that we, it's it's considered to be designed to be time limited and targeted and very narrow in scope um we're we're not advocates for a waiver so um uh some of the concerns from disability rights groups and advocates uh about the flexibility of timelines um was that IDEA already has that flexibility built in. So why why do we need to make anything extra, any sort of language or change to the law uh, going forward, even if it's temporary? Um, why is that even necessary? Well, I mean, you know, IEPs are, we come out of date and, and um, evaluations. And so we need to have some flexibility with the services uh, from part C to part B. Um, those things need to, we need to make sure that our, they're continued for our students and um, states uh, and LEAs uh, need to have a little bit of guidance and flexibility there. So um, I don't think that anybody is saying that 
to waive any piece of IDEA at all. Um, sure. I hope that answers your question. You know, it's, like, it's one of those things that's like weaving an, 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 a very thin thread through a needle. And so, um, you know, I, I have been on both sides of it and I, I see, you know, that school, some school districts are really, they're, they're having some difficult times. I was talking to a colleague of mine uh, last night and um, she was working with a, a child um, doing one-on-one therapy, teletherapy, and the child kept turning off the computer and the mom was running around trying to get the child back. And every time the mom turned the, turn the computer on the child and turn it off. And the, uh, the therapist was seeing the child running or the, the mom running around the house, trying to get the child. It's, it's a difficult time. You know, some of our professors at our university are, are asking us in the college of education, give us some tips because I'm trying to work at home and trying to keep my child engaged or do what he has to do. So it's very, it's, 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 I, I don't think any of us have ever, experienced any of anything like this in life will be better the next time this happens but i think we need to work together is really you know uh, and and not come down on a side let's work together to make this work and figure out to problem solve together how we can uh make this a better solutions for um if when and if this happens again I appreciate your comments about that. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you it, <clears throat> in relation to uh, something else that, that advocates and disability rights groups are concerned about is the, I, I forwarded you uh, an, an article uh, from Huffington Post yeah. about the new, uh, you know, a, a district in New Jersey. Uh, have, had you, and just to clarify, you know, as we're setting up this, um, this particular district was asking for parents to sign and waive away their right to due process or to file uh, any any lawsuit against the school district before they receive services. So if you could just give me your thoughts on that, I would, you know, we would appreciate you, that. You know what? Yeah, yeah. That, I, you know, I, I, to be to be perfectly honest with you, I had not heard that. But then when I reached out to a couple of my colleagues, because when I opened up your article, I was like shocked. I was literally shocked. I'm like, how could a district do that? And then um, I asked some of my colleagues, like, yeah, I kind of heard about it, but I didn't really know that. And, you know, and to me, I, when I hear that, it sounds like to me a, a quid pro quo, you know, really like, and it's not in the spirit of IDEA at all. And so I think um, everybody that's come down with guidance, including the secretary's guidance, makes it very clear that all students should have access to an education, even during the COVID-19 crisis. And we shouldn't be putting, um, you know, if this, then that type of um, uh, uh, responses in there. Uh, and I and I have to say, I've been a long proponent of building partnerships with parents and families. They've helped make my life easier when working with their child, because no one knows their, their child better than the parents and the families. And so together, uh, we can make a difference for their child. So really, to me, with this article is stating that, 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 that has occurred, that's a disservice to many of us special educators across the country who are, who are doing our darndest to continue to provide services to our students. And um, if this is true, this is, this is alarming. Um, 
you know, I, I, my question is, why would you not try to build a relationship with your parents instead of trying to build a wall between the two of you? And so really, I have to say, this is, uh, this is not what we stand for at CEC. And that, uh, that's, that's why I'm part of CEC. Um, you know, that's you know, definitely, I was shocked, actually, when I opened it. I'm like, what? So, yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the yeah. your, th- your thoughts on that. Um, and something you had mentioned uh, previously in our conversation was about funding. Um, and um, I'm not sure if um, if any of us were really expecting, you know, uh, Betsy DeVos to explicitly um, recommend additional funding, uh, you know, for IDEA. Um, or for services that you know are related to um, you know working with mm-hmm. students with disabilities, mm-hmm. but as moving forward and uh, especially now that Congress has her recommendations, is that something that CEC is going to be advocating for? Absolutely. Well, as I mentioned before, we've already had five thousand letters in that vein, but we are continuing, and that action alert is on there, and once and we will be pushing again uh, for uh, emergency funding for IDEA. So um, I would invite all of your listeners to um, find our policy advocacy page on cec.sped.org and um, send a, send a uh, action alert to your representatives and um, senators. Uh, as as we look forward to the 2020-2021 uh, school year, um, you know, what are your biggest concerns in regards to supporting students with disabilities? So, well, um, well, first and foremost, I think the well-being of our students and their families, that's, that's uh, most important. And, of course, the well-being being of our special educators. Um, I think this, is, this, this, this has taken a toll on folks, and I don't know that we're actually going to know that toll until we kind of get back to the new normal. Um, and, and so that, that's my, I think my, my personal first concern is how, how is everybody? Uh, you know, are we okay? And then my second is to make sure that our students, um, that the students get what they need to continue to gain academically and behaviorally and of course, social emotionally. Um, and that we as special educators have those resources to do so. Um, and I'm hoping that we, as professionals, along with our, our parents and families, continue to coalesce around a collaborative effort um, to do what's right for our kids, um, because we are all in this together, and um, only um, together we are much stronger in making things better for our kids. Uh, I yeah. really appreciate uh, taking you taking the time to speak with me. It's my pleasure. Really, it's my pleasure. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you, Tim. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. If you would like to hear the entire unedited recordings of my interviews with Denise Marshall or Jennifer Lesh, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Think Inclusive Podcast. Follow the Think Inclusive Podcast on the web at thinkinclusive.us and tell us what you thought of the podcast via Twitter at inclusive underscore pod or find us on Facebook or Instagram. 
You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or on the Anchor app. We love to know that you are listening. Also a reminder that you can support the Think Inclusive podcast via Patreon or Anchor FM with a monthly contribution so that we can continue to bring you in-depth interviews with thought leaders in inclusive education and community advocacy. On that note, thank you to Patreons Donna L, Gabby M, Tori D, Kathleen T, and Veronica E for their continued support of the podcast, as well as our new $1 a month Patreons. Every little bit helps. Also, a special shout out to my producer and love of my life, Brianna. There is no one I'd rather be quarantined with. Thanks to my boys. You know who you are for your feedback and suggestions. It is always greatly appreciated. See you next time on the Think Inclusive podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.